Supposedly, uh, not out of all of the interactions that the disciples had with Jesus that are recorded within the four Gospels, the only thing uh, that the disciples ever asked Jesus to teach them was prayer, was how to pray. We heard that, that one of the disciples said to them, uh, teach us to pray, Lord. I say supposedly this is true because uh, I've, ever, I've never actually done all of the research myself, gone through every gospel to see if they asked him to teach them anything else. But I trust the integrity of those from whom I learned this tidbit that this was the only thing they ever asked him to teach them. So assuming that that is true, that specific request becomes profoundly significant. If it had been me, I think I would have asked Jesus to teach me something far more spectacular. You know, teach me how to turn water into wine. Even maybe I'm feeling magnanimous, teach me how to heal people. Or teach me that, that walk in a water trick. I mean, those are the kinds of things that I think I probably would have asked him to, to teach. We have stories of Jesus doing all kinds of miracles. And yet, out of all the possible things that the disciples might have asked Jesus to teach them, the disciples asked this, Lord, teach us to pray. In part, the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray because that's what a lot of rabbis did for their disciples. Luke even records that that is at least part of the reason the disciples ask Jesus this uh, in our text. Um, we hear, Lord, teach us to pray just as John, talking about John the Baptist, taught his disciples. Daryl Bach um, notes that this request to be taught prayer um, like John the Baptist's community indicates that the disciples are becoming an identifiable community. Such prayers gave a community a sense of shared identity. So in part, the disciples of Jesus want to be identified with him, and a unique prayer uh, was one of the ways that that was done. But I think they were prompted by an even deeper motivation after having spent significant time with Jesus, I think that they recognized the centrality of prayer for Jesus himself. In fact, we read in this part of Luke that the disciples' request follows a time of Jesus' own prayer. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Throughout the Gospels, all four Gospels, we read of Jesus going off to pray just before major events. Probably the most profound example is Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane just before his arrest and crucifixion. The disciples have witnessed prayer as essential to Jesus himself 
So they want to know how to do it like he does. So as we look closer at the prayer itself that Jesus taught the disciples, we do well to remind ourselves of the setting Luke gives us for this teaching. Again, of all the things the disciples could have asked Jesus to teach them, they chose prayer. They realized that prayer is essential for our lives and the prayer that Jesus teaches them roots them even deeper in the essentials of life. The prayer itself is short. It's to the point. In fact, you'll notice uh, that Luke's recording of the prayer is even shorter and more streamlined than Matthew's. Um, Jesus begins the prayer with an address that focuses us on the most essential relationship of our lives, our relationship with God. But rather than addressing God with a title that might focus on God's power or God's glory, Jesus teaches us to address God as Father. Immediately, we are drawn into a relationship of intimacy and love. Jesus reveals God as someone who wants the best for us, like a parent for their child, someone we can approach for anything and everything. This is the encouragement we, hear, we, we also heard in our New Testament passage with Jesus as our brother uh, in Christ being in the heavens with God. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way. So let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may, re we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus is encouraging us to approach God as someone who loves us and wants to care for us as a father or a mother. I always uh, picture whenever we come to this, the, there's a, a, an old photo of um, John F. Kennedy Jr. when he was a toddler and he's like in little shorts and stuff and he's crawling around playing on the Oval Office floor while his father, who is the president of the United States, John F. Kennedy Sr., is sitting at whatever that, the name of that desk is as president of the United States. And here's little JFK Jr. just wandering around in his little diaper and, and stuff. And I just, that's the image that Jesus wants us to have of our relationship with God. Even though God is the most powerful being God is also one who loves us and cares for us. This is the depth of intimacy and love that Jesus encourages in us when he teaches us to open our prayer, Father. At the same time, uh, even though we are like children approaching our dad or mom, it is not like uh, children presenting our Christmas wish to uh, our Christmas wish list to our parents. Jesus reveals that our priority is on God and God's relationship with our whole world. Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Jesus teaches us two 
specific requests to pray. And I'm, I'll state them um, a little awkwardly in English to try to emphasize the parallel uh, nature that they have in the Greek. Jesus tells us to pray, may be holy your name and may arrive your kingdom. May be holy your name, may arrive your kingdom. As God's children, we pray that all human beings will know the truth about God, that all will know God's love, God's beauty, God's goodness and power, that those of us who claim to be followers of Christ won't mess up his reputation enough that God's God won't be understood to be who God really is. Our first and greatest hope and prayer is that we and all of creation will revere God in the way that God deserves. As well, we pray that God will, and as the message translates it, set things right in all creation. Set things right. That is what the effect would be if God's kingdom arrived fully on earth. And I think it's tremendously significant that Jesus teaches us to pray that God's kingdom will come, will arrive here where we are, here on earth, rather than teaching us to pray that God will take us away from where we are to God's kingdom. The prayer is not, God, may we get to your kingdom. The prayer is, God, may your kingdom arrive here and now where we are. This is a prayer for change here on earth and now that our world will become as God intended it. So the whole first half of this prayer Jesus teaches us focuses entirely on God's glory being known and worshiped on earth now. We pray first for all of this before we begin praying for ourselves. But Jesus does encourage us to pray for our own needs. And what he teaches us to pray again focuses on the essentials of life. The first petition is the most basic of all. Help us survive. Give us our daily bread. We call on God for even our fundamental physical needs. We take nothing for granted. Next, Jesus teaches us to pray for our fundamental relational needs. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone indebted to us. One of the greatest barriers blocking love and care for one another is grievances not forgiven. And I know this particular prayer sounds like a uh, quid pro quo, as if maybe God's forgiveness of us depends on whether we forgive others. But God's forgiveness of us has already been granted in full. Jesus embodied this for us. So I like the way Eugene Peterson, Peterson captures this in his translation of this part of the prayer. Like I uh, read it for the kids just a minute ago. Um, 
keep us forgiven. That's something that's already been done. Keep us forgiven with you, God, and forgiving others continually. We need to remember and experience God's forgiveness of us that we may forgive others. But if we aren't forgiving others, then we have to question whether we are experiencing God's forgiveness for us. So we pray both to experience God's forgiveness of our sins and to share that experience of forgiveness with others. And then finally, Jesus teaches his disciples to pray for our fundamental spiritual needs. Lead us not into temptation or trials. Just as there are a lot of ways to interpret the petition about forgiveness, there are a lot of ways to interpret this petition. For me, it comes down to this. There are a lot of ways to get into trouble in this world. <laughs> and there are a lot of people who would gladly lead us into trouble. So our prayer becomes a call for God's Holy Spirit to guide us away from all of that, from all that is bad or too much for us, and guide us into what brings us life and health and peace. That's the Lord's Prayer, the prayer that he taught his disciples to pray. It is remarkable the breadth of life that this short, simple prayer covers. Again, Daryl Bach uh, sums it up well. From daily food to relational forgiveness to spiritual protection, the disciple looks to God. There is no moment that can spare dependence on him. John Calvin, writing about this, sees within uh, this prayer the same essential foundation for life that was uh, revealed to Moses in the Ten Commandments. As we read that in our Hebrew First Testament reading, uh, you'll remember that the first part of that is all about God and God's glory and God's uh, name being worshipped and respected, similar to the Lord's Prayer. We, will have, we shall have no idols other than God, um, that we shall not use God's name in vain. It is focused on God and God's glory and God's uh, holiness. They uh, open with that same primary focus, the exaltation of God, and only then does the focus turn to our lives in relationship with one another. Honor your father and mother. Don't steal, don't kill, all those other don'ts. Calvin writes then about the two. The substance of the prayer, may arrive your kingdom, may your kingdom come, is that God would enlighten the world by the light of his word, would form the hearts of men and women by the influence of his spirit to obey his justice and would restore to order by the gracious exercise of his power, all the disorder that exists in the world. All of that 
is loaded into this one prayer. And one more point is vital to acknowledge. Jesus teaches us that our prayer is focused beyond our own personal needs. Our prayer is not focused solely on us as individuals or our desires. The prayer Jesus teaches us connects our hearts and lives to the needs and desires of all other human beings. Notice the pronouns. Give us our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those indebted to us. Lead us not into temptation. Jesus teaches us through this prayer that community is as essential to life as food is for our bodies. Again, the scope of this prayer is enormous, yet it is concise enough to be easily remembered. Within these handful of petitions, we're guided to pray for all that is essential for our lives and for our world. When we pray this prayer, we are reminded of who God is, who we are in relationship to God, and that we are bound together with all other human beings. This is why we include uh, this prayer in our time of worshiping God together every week. Sure, we can easily uh, regurgitate the words of the Lord's Prayer without any thought for what it's actually saying. But when we are mindful of what we are praying, this prayer can be the essential expression of our greatest desires for our lives and for our world. The same holds true in our private prayer, praying in the midst of our daily lives. William Barclay recognizes how this prayer can impact all the rest of our praying. He writes, the Lord's Prayer has two great uses in our own private prayers. If we use it at the beginning of our devotions, it awakens us to all kinds of holy desires which will lead us on into the right pathways of prayer. If we use it at the end of our devotions, it sums up all that we ought to pray for in the presence of God. This prayer Jesus teaches us includes the most essential prayer for our lives. And we close then by remembering why we have this prayer from Jesus at all. And it's because the disciples who spent more time with Jesus than anyone other than his family believed that of all the things that he might be able to teach them, they believed prayer was essential to who he is and the life that he lived. As his disciples, they believed that the most essential thing that they could learn to do from Jesus was pray. And so Jesus taught them this prayer. As followers of Christ ourselves, the most essential thing we can learn to do is pray. And Jesus has given us this prayer as the most essential prayer for ourselves and our world. Thanks be to God.